Hello again and welcome to the Two Fit Podcast. This is Brandon Walker. I'm Sarah Hollyhead. And we're glad to be here for episode two. I'm enjoying another frosty beverage. Uh, I think last week we introduced the glory of the Gatorade lime cucumber beverage. And uh, I'm, Sarah loves me enough to have purchased another one for me for this week. And I will have to apologize that it was in Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we, I've done quite a bit of research so on it. And right. I found that it is uh, a test market that for the Spanish market. And it's only available in like six states. And Texas happens to be one. So it's hard to come by. And I will post a picture of this lovely, delicious, cucumbery, limey beverage on the website. But I like it. And it's one of those love or hate kind of things from what I've seen. And uh, I did some research and looked it up. And some people think it tastes like bugs. And some people think it tastes like awesomeness. And I think it tastes like awesomeness. <laughs> I hope so, since you keep drinking it. What are you drinking, Sarah? Um, I have a frosty beverage as well. <laughs> Well, you could be drinking what's to your right, which is my wa water bottle from the gym, but I know you're not drinking that, so you have something that's more delicious than water. <laughs> it has water in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, along with a few other things, but anyway, moving along. <laughs> it's okay to have a delicious beer, especially when it's hot, and, that's, you know, and that actually leads me to uh, something I wanted to say to all the thousands of people that listen to this podcast. And that's, even though it's 110 degrees out and it's the hottest it's ever been and the world is in flames when you step out the door, that's no excuse for you not to be hitting the gym and getting in shape. And the reason I say that is because a couple of days ago I was at the gym and Sarah laughs at me because she thinks that I am watching the women in their dance class when I'm really not. But when I do this crunch machine, I'm looking across and I could see the women in the dance class. And so there's... That's awfully convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the choice of either closing my eyes or looking. So I like to see what's going on in their class. There's a variety of different classes. So this class I saw, there was a lady who was, I'm going to say at least 65 years old in the class. And she was surrounded by, you know, girls that were in their young 20s and they were doing some pretty intense dancing type <laughs> cardio moves stuff that would make me look really stupid if I even there was no guys in the class and uh, you know I would not have done well in a class like that I've tried a class like that before and it was ridiculous but so anyway this lady was in there working it like there was no tomorrow and she was very uh, much a senior citizen and yet she was in there working and it's 110 degrees outside so you have no excuse whether it's I'm too old I'm too hot um Hot meaning temperature-wise? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose if you're just too hot looks-wise, then I guess you don't need to exercise maybe. Or maybe you do need to to keep it. But anyway, so my point is there's no excuse. Get out there and make it happen. Even in the summer. If you do it now in the summer, then in the winter when it's nice and cool, it'll be a lot easier, right? Well, I thought we were talking about too that don't worry about what other people think when you're in the gym. Just go in there and do your thing. Exactly. I mean, if they're going to think they, which, what you're doing is is crazy or looks silly let them think that just do your thing that's a good point that wasn't my point but i'll take that point that's good all right so this week we're talking about muscle recovery and repair this was actually the the highest voted uh topic on our facebook page we ask people to vote and pick their topic that they were most interested in and this one got the number one spot by quite a few votes actually 
And uh, we started, we didn't start with that last week, but we're going to do it this week. So we're going to talk about muscle recovery. Sarah, fun facts about muscles. Are you ready? Sure. Number one, there are 650 muscles in the body. I had no idea. I don't know. Did you think there'd be more or less, fewer than that? Well, I would probably say fewer. How many bones are there? A lot, like 72 or something like that, or maybe more. Anyway, we're not talking about bones. So muscle fibers are thinner than a human hair, and they could support a thousand times their own weight. That's pretty cool. It's like Spider-Man. Sarah, what are the three types of muscles? Go. Uh Uh-oh. Skeletal, smooth, and cardiac. Excellent. So skeletal muscles are the muscles that are around your bones, that move your bones. Smooth muscles would be where? Organs. Right. They're around your organs. They help your organs to do their thing that they do, like your stomach to digest and whatnot. Cardiac would be? The heart. In your heart. Very interesting because it's the only place that has cardiac. Maybe I guess they named it cardiac because it's in... Never mind. (laughs) All right. So your muscles are 70 to 75% water, which is convenient since most of your body is water anyway, right? 70 to 75%. 70 to 75% water, 20 to 25% protein. So your muscles essentially are made out of water and protein, which will lead us into our discussion later on of protein. So, but here's the, here's the, the idea. When, you're, when you exercise, and we're going to talk mostly about resistance type exercise tonight, and we kind of covered last week the difference between anaerobic versus aerobic training. But tonight we're going to focus more on the anaerobic side, I guess. I mean, when we're talking about resistance training, we're talking about lifting weights. We're talking about um, resistance bands, using your own body weight, doing push-ups. And there's some things you could do in the water. There's some resistance training. But essentially we're talking about, for for all practical purposes, lifting weights, push-ups, using body weight, that kind of thing. So when you, if the focus of of getting in shape for, for you is to, become stronger. And I think that's a good goal for anybody that's in shape. Obviously you want to, uh, get faster, get lighter if you're trying to lose weight, but essentially the whole idea of, of getting in shape in the gym is, is about getting stronger. It's about increasing the amount of work that your body can do, uh, so that you could do more athletically or just in, in regular life throughout the day. So your muscles get stronger in two different ways. And I'm going to throw out some signs. I'm going to drop some science tonight. And Sarah and I have kind of discussed back and forth as to how much is too much science. So you, the audience, feel free to write us and say, hey, ease up on the science talk. Let's talk more about your stories and what you're drinking and that sort of thing. Or maybe you don't want to hear about that. Or maybe you don't want to hear. You want to hear more about the science. So tonight <laughs> we're going to, it's going to be kind of a little bit more science heavy. So let's start with this idea of uh, your muscle growth. It grows in two ways. Uh, the main way is what's called a hypertrophy, and that's a literal increase in the muscle fiber size. And if you want to think about it, your muscles are kind of like a rope, right? Rope uh, is made of fibers. And if you've seen a rope up close, which everybody has, it's tiny little fibers that are all woven together, and they create a rope. It, it, that's exactly how your muscles work. They're, they're long, thin fibers. Uh, muscle cells are long and thin. They're the only type of cells in your body that are long and thin. Most of your cells in your body are more of a round shape. So they're long and thin. And they can increase in size. So the stronger you get over time, your muscle fibers will actually get bigger. But strength doesn't just necessarily come by an increase in size. Your muscles also get stronger when your body recruits more muscle fibers per muscle. 
Okay. So let's say that your muscle in your pinky finger, you got a bunch of muscles in there actually. Let's say the muscles that extend your pinky finger have a thousand, let's say 10,000 fibers. And in order to curl your pinky finger, you're using, let's say the average person uses 40% of those fibers. If you do a lot of curls with your pinky finger, if you do a lot of exercises, then perhaps you'll move up to 50%. Now your pinky is not going to get much bigger, but you will be using more of the fibers in your, the muscle there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hadn't really considered that, but when we talked about it earlier about how uh, people see a, a, you know, when you first start working out, you haven't worked out much before, and you see a big jump in strength improvement. I know you made that point earlier, and that that's a lot of where that's coming from is that you hadn't been utilizing that. You know, so when you did your initial assessment, you were only using forty percent, and now in the weeks after, when you start working out more, you're using fifty you know, 60%. Exactly. So if you're new to fitness, what you're going to find is within the first few weeks, you're probably going to get a lot stronger. If you're lifting weights, uh, you're, you're not going to get a lot bigger in the first couple of weeks, but you'll definitely get a lot stronger. And that's because you're, it, it's a, it's a motor neuron reaction. Your body recruits more fibers, uh, to do the work, more muscle fibers. Now, in order to grow your muscles in strength and size, something called overload has to occur. So if you are, are working out and you're doing the exact same thing every day, you're not going to get stronger. And that's, that's something that almost goes without saying, but a lot of people don't really understand this concept, that in order to get stronger, you're going to have to overload your muscles. That means you're going to have to do more work than they're used to doing. So if you're used to walking three or four miles a day, your muscles are going to stop growing at that point. And that's the way our body works. It's Once very you adaptable. Once you get to an equil equilibrium, you kind of... Sure. peak at that and then you plateau and your body is so not designed to do any more work than it has to right. that, that's really the way our bodies have evolved in such a way that you know if, if your body could get by with x amount of energy it's going to burn x amount of energy unless you push it further and that's the idea of, of lifting weights and, and overloading your so when we talk about overload tonight it's we're using it in a good way and so it may sound like the term overload might be something like you, it's going to blow up your computer or you overload your car and it blows up. But or your air with, conditioner right or now. Your or air <laughs> but in, in, uh, in terms of your body, overload is good. Now, what overload literally does is it creates microscopic tears in your muscle fibers. Uh, and this may sound kind of scary. You're like, why would I want to damage my muscles? And the thought is... Imagine if you have a shed in your backyard. So imagine it's kind of a, a small shed, uh, maybe a bicycle and your lawnmower fit in it, but you want a bigger shed and you want a nicer shed. So in order to do that, what are you going to have to do? In order to have a new shed, what do you have to do to the old you shed? Do something with that old shed. Yeah. You got to tear it down. You got to get it out of the way in some way. Uh, that's how your muscles work. If you want bigger muscles or stronger even, what you're going to have to do is, is overload those muscles, which creates a little bit of... of Cell, cellular damage and then your body repairs it and it repairs it back in stronger and better and greater amounts so that's the idea of overload and bigger better stronger faster exactly isn't that the olympic theme or stronger faster higher swifter i don't know somebody's gonna yell at me for that <laughs> so when you when you're overloading your muscles or when you're working out at all and sarah and i were talking about this earlier it doesn't necessarily happen only when you're overloading your muscles but when you're working your muscles at all blood flows directly into your muscles 
this is the very reason why gyms have a lot of mirrors. <laughs> so that you could stand in front of the mirror and get your swell on. I say, though, it's so you can watch the form. Oh, of you course. You got to make sure that you have proper form, and that's why you look in the mirror. What happens is your muscles are under a bit of stress. And your body notices. Your body says, okay... My biceps are under stress. I need to do something about that. So what your body does is it, it directs blood flow into your biceps to provide everything it needs. So it provides the nutrients. It helps provide the energy. Um, and it also begins at that point. It, it's under distress because it's been torn. And so your, your body immediately starts repairing it in the same way that if you cut yourself on your skin, blood flows into that area and your body immediately starts repairing it. That's what happens when uh, you're, you overstress or... Uh, overload your muscles now there's there's something that this is uh, an interesting sort of side bar to the idea of, of blood flowing into your muscles and that's this idea of oxidation and what oxidation it's a real complicated like chemistry type of thing that i'm not going to really go into but uh the long and short of it is it creates free radicals uh, that when liquid flows into your muscles into those cells there's a chemical reaction that takes place in which uh, free radicals are created and these are uh, little particles that can do damage to your cells they literally can poke holes in your cells and do damage you've probably heard about this uh, a lot in products uh, fruit products and everything where they talk about uh, antioxidants and free radicals so this is there is some truth to this i think i've done a lot of research about it myself some people will say that it's a hoax or that it doesn't exist, but I've seen a lot of evidence to show that oxidation really is a real deal and free radicals. So this is why it's important to have some antioxidants in your diet. So this, this whole uh, cell damage that takes place, swelling over the next couple of days, you could expect your muscles to be a little bit stiff. That's why, let's uh, say the day after you take it, you, you do some heavy lifting at the gym, you go home, you try to take a shower and you realize you can't even put your hand on top of your head to wash your hair because your muscles have have stiffened and that's just from the fluid that's flown into the uh, that's uh, flowed into the joints and cause a decrease in the range of motion so all right so what happens after an intense resistance workout like what can you expect if this is something that's new to you that you've never really done before haven't spent a whole lot of time in the gym what can you expect over the next couple of days well for one thing and I think it's good for us to kind of talk a little bit here about what's the difference between okay I'm I'm sore and that says I worked my muscles as opposed to you know that's a another type of pain which says hey I'm injured you know so you don't want to if you have a soreness that doesn't that goes beyond just the normal oh I worked something to where hey I'm I might be injured but, uh, you know knowing the difference between that I think is important so would you say that you could tell if your muscle is injured if it hurts right then and there. <laughs> well, I mean, even when I got hurt a month ago, it didn't hurt right then and there. I mean, it, it took, you know, it took a little while for it to really set in. So, but once that happened, I knew, oh, that's not just soreness from working out. That's soreness from something else that either I turned wrong or I, you know, had the wrong angle or however I was doing it. So, um, I think that kind of comes more with as you work out, you know your body better. But, I mean, obviously, if something's injured, you don't want to just push through it and keep going, you know. Right. So. so, I guess a good rule of thumb, obviously, if there's a prolonged pain that happens at the time, or if you hear something pop, that's a good uh, reason to go and get some, some help uh, or to, to, to seek some kind of first aid for it. Um, 
typically if your muscle is injured, if you pull a muscle, you're going to feel it at the time. Um, if you do some damage to a bone or to a joint, which is kind of what happened to you, it was more mm-hmm. of a joint, like a, a compression, a, a jam. Right. Uh, it really nece- wasn't necessarily a muscle pull, but you noticed at the time that there was an injury. You didn't think it was that bad, but over the next couple of days, it got worse and worse. Right. And like you say, the fluid that was. Right. Know, the, the fluids fluid moved into to, it and right. created the stiffness. So just standard muscle soreness that uh, they refer to it as delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS. That is normal. And that takes place within 24 to 48 hours after a strenuous workout. It's perfectly normal for your muscles to be sore. And some people refer to that as a good sore. And I like it. I like it myself. I, it makes me feel like I've done some work. When I my do muscles too. Are sore. And, that, and especially if you've been working out for a long time and you kind of hit that plateau and you don't get sore and then you change it up a little bit and then you feel that soreness again, you know that you've, your body's responding to the workout as opposed to if you wake up the next day and feel like you could just go and do the same thing again. Yeah. Maybe you you need to change it up a little bit or change the intensity level. Now, usually that, that delayed onset muscle soreness only lasts for maybe a day, sometimes a little mm-hmm. more than that, depending on kind of your, your level of fitness. But uh, it, it's like I said, it's normal. It's something that most, most people that lift weights a lot and work out and do a lot of resistance training, they look forward to that. I do too, just like you just said. Um, so you could expect over the next one to three days a diminished strength level, which means you, you'll feel a little weaker in that muscle. And that's perfectly normal. Again, we talked about the fact that it, it's muscle fibers that are breaking down. Uh, don't use those muscles strenuously over the next couple of days. You've got to give them time to rest. And that's one of the most important things that, that we could talk about, I think, when it comes to repairing and recovering muscles is they need time to repair and they need time to rest. So a good rule of thumb is 48 hours. And this is why most people that if you work out every day, it, this could be tough to do because literally you have to separate your muscle groups into uh, a certain time periods. You say, I'm going to work chest and back on Monday, Tuesday, I'm going to work legs, Wednesday, I'm going to work biceps, triceps, and you separate it. So you've got 48 hours between the same muscle group being exercised or being um, used in, in your exercise. But what about the recovery techniques? What are, what are some things you could do to, to speed along the recovery or speed it up? Uh, a light exercise of that muscle group. So that's a little bit different than going in there and, and lifting heavy weights on those same, same muscles. So let's say if, if one day you do leg press and you do a ton of leg press, you're, you're lifting lots of weights and you're really working your leg muscles, the next day doesn't mean to lay on the couch all day, go out and take a walk or do something that uses those muscles, but doesn't create more muscle damage because I your body is trying to repair. I think almost pushed back to what we were talking about last week as saying, okay, well, I've done a very strenuous um, anaerobic type, type workout, you know, doing a lot of bench press and, or a leg press, like you were saying, using a lot of muscles. So then the next day, maybe do a little more of an aerobic type where you could do it for an extended period of time, less strenuous as a recovery. So it, you know, looking at what we were talking about last week in that regard. Right. Uh, massage. If you get a massage, if you are one of those people that has the means to get a massage every day, that's awesome. And definitely do it. It's, it's definitely been shown to help uh, speed muscle re- repair and recovery. And it feels good and it makes you happy and everybody wins. So if you can afford to do that, feel free. Uh, it can only help you. <laughs> Uh, underwater warm jets, that sounds not very pleasant right now because it's 110 degrees outside, but in the wintertime, 
If you've got a jacuzzi or a hot tub, that's uh, a definite uh, cure for the <laughs> muscle aches and pains. Muscle compression. This one, I don't know. We've kind of gone back and forth about this, whether you need to wear ace bandages or uh, wrap up your the area that you've worked. Some say it's good. Some say it's not necessary. Sarah, you want to talk about your socks? Well, I think we should devote a whole session on that, but... Uh, We're going to do a whole session on your socks? Well, not... Well, Sarah yeah. has these really adorable compression socks that she likes to wear, and they go all the way up to your knee, right? Yeah, the compression starts at about your ankle, a little lower than your ankle, midfoot, and then it compresses all the way up to your calf. Now, when, when Gradually up to your calf so that, you know, basically it's trying to get blood fo- flow from your foot up back up your leg to your heart. So So this those wouldn't necessarily be for muscle compression, you think, right? That's well, that's why I say we need to look at that more. I need to do a little more research on them. That's why I wear them is for that and I do find that my feet don't get swollen things like that after I've gone on a long run or something. But I know a lot of I've seen a lot of people that wear them when they run and you know whether that helps with soreness or things like that. I don't have any scientific evidence on that, but I have to do more research on it. Another therapy is uh, cold water or ice therapy. And this is what you see when, with like uh, athletes where they get in those big tubs full of ice and they just sit there for 30 minutes. I mean, it's, I've done it before. I've soaked my feet or legs in ice water before. And if you can handle it from a pain threshold point of view, it's good for you, but it is hard. I couldn't to do. do it. After my marathon, a friend of mine said, hey, you should go. Um, sit in the the bathtub with ice ice water thought okay i'll do that it was worse than the marathon yeah no it was thanks horrible i lasted maybe 30 seconds if that i said i'll just be sore i'm not gonna be able to stand that. and something i can't recommend enough is just simple pain medicine advil is gr- advil is great because it uh it reduces swelling so that's that's something you want uh it, it, it help reduce the pain also icy hot bengay that kind of stuff just be careful with that don't overdo it all right, so what about the idea of what are we feeding our muscles? What are we going to feed them before the workout, during the workout, and after? And I'm going to hit these pretty quick because it's real simple, and then we're going to move on. Before the workout, you need water, and you need the water during the workout, and you need water after the workout. You've got to stay hydrated. Your muscles are 75% water, so if you're not properly hydrated and if you're out running around in this heat, you're going to dehydrate and you're going to, it's, it's not a pretty thing to dehydrate. Trust me. So water now, right before you work out, I recommend, and this is something that, that I do myself personally, and I recommend for my clients and that's a small snack. Um, and by small, I mean like something you could fit in your hand. That's, that's to me, that's a moderate size snack, something with carbohydrates, uh, complex carbohydrates rather than simple. And we'll get into that some other time. Um, Moderate protein, a little bit of protein, and nothing with fat, no heavy fat, and also a little bit of caffeine. I, I like to have a little little dose of caffeine before I work out, uh, five-hour energy maybe. Some people like Monster, Red Bull, but you really don't need the sugar, so I'd probably ease up on that. Maybe a caffeine tablet or something that works too. Um, what I, literally, what I, the specific thing I recommend to my clients is a piece of whole grain toast with peanut butter on it. That has exactly what you need. It has just enough carbs, just enough protein to get you going and make it through an average workout. During the workout, you need water. 
that's it. You don't need Gatorade. You don't need any kind of other stuff unless you are a hardcore athlete or if you're going to work out for two or three hours or if you're going to run a marathon. That way, you may need the, the, the uh, glucose and uh, sh- sugars and that sort of thing while you're working out. So post-workout, right after you work out, again, you're going to need some carbs. And this is kind of counterintuitive. This is where you have the bad carbs. And bad, by bad carbs, I mean simple carbs, sugar, um, this doesn't mean go and eat candy. And apparently a beer doesn't count either. <laughs> we can, we'll get into that a little bit later uh, some other time about what alcohol does. I wouldn't recommend you drink a beer right after a workout, but uh, some people like that after a long run and that kind of thing. It's not going to hurt you. Um, 30 grams of simple carbs. Uh, how do you get simple carbs? What's an example of something with simple carbs? White bread, chips. Fruit, we were talking about fruit. Fruit is great. Yeah, fruit is a better example than that's chips. That's what I would prefer. I mean, yeah. Because you don't want the fat. You don't need the, the you know, salt's good. You do need some, some salt to restore some electrolytes. But if you have an apple that has fiber, it has sugar, it has, you know, all of that in there. And none of the bad chemicals that chips would have. Right. Remember, you've depleted your glycogen supplies, so you need more of that. And definitely, uh, this is the time when you need the protein. Within 30 minutes of your workout, you need to have a good dose of protein, 20 to 30 grams of protein uh, within 30 minutes. And again, you don't need the fat. Don't get fried chicken or French fries or something like that. Pizza, you need something that's a little more healthy than that. But you do need carbs before you work out and carbs after you work out, as well as, as some protein. Also, vitamins B, C, D, and E. That's easy to remember. Those are vitamins you may want to supplement if you don't get a lot of those in your diet. Those help with muscle repair. All right, so that's, uh, that's muscle repair and recovery for today. Uh, again, if you've got any questions, feel free, free to write us with your questions. But now we're going to move into news with Sarah. Got any fitness news this week? I have an interesting one that when I started looking into it, there's a lot of controversy that goes beyond just the, I'm not going to get into that, but um, basically a pretty simple study that they said that um, muscle mass um, increase in muscle mass decreases the tendency for diabetes. Um, I mean, it was just what initial. type of diabetes? Type two. Um, they didn't say. It said pre-diabetes, and I assume type two as opposed. Yeah, type to two is the type of diabetes that you can prevent. Type one diabetes is purely genetic, and so you can't right. really do much about that. But pre-diabetes also came into account, which um, I didn't realize there were so many people with pre-diabetes. So, which I'm. I assume most people who might have prediabetes don't even realize it. So, um, but that was just some of the controversy behind it is, well, is this something that people that have more muscle mass are more likely to eat better and, you know, eat differently or, um, you know, so the study didn't really go that far into what kind of, you know, whether that was taken into account or not. They said they took into account things like uh, race and, other factors, but what these other factors are, I'm not for sure. So that might. But the bottom been. line is, if you have a high level of muscle mass, that you have a lower risk for diabetes. That that was is that what the research said basically? Well, it's basically saying for every 10 percent increase in the skeletal muscle, um, there's a corresponding 12 uh, percent decrease in prediabetes. Oh, okay. So that was. So that's kind a, of the highlight of what... The and they were saying it was a direct correlation. Like, it, it seemed to be like a direct correlation. Right. Well, that's where it, the It wasn't coincidental. That that, it, that's where the, you know, is that just something that's a coincidence because it's a correlation because they, they, those 
the people with the increased muscle mass are we're also eating better eating and that sort better of eating you know a little more often things like that so trying to keep their insulin at more regulated levels and that's so I mean, you would think it doesn't seem like any kind of major news flash that okay if you have more muscle mass you're working out more you're doing more then you're probably more you know eating better a little bit healthier you know things like that so uh, it needs some more I think it needs some more explanation and some more uh, research great well we will include that link uh, on the show notes for this week so if you want to check that out on your own go for it and if you have a question or comment or if you've got a particular topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on an upcoming episode of two fit feel free to write us at two fit at fitwithb.com and if you like the show Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and feel free to subscribe on there. That helps our visibility and helps us uh, reach more people with our message. So thanks for listening. I'm Brandon Walker. I'm Sarah Hollyhead. And we are the Two Fit Podcast. We'll see you soon.